0: Anybody hungry? Not a great question to ask when you got a sermon coming, right? I got to wait through the whole sermon. Um, today we're starting a series. You see it up there on the screen. Maybe you've thought we were doing a little something different with communion today, um, but uh, it's it's all about uh, it's all about food. Well, not really all about food, but it's all about sliding up to the table with Jesus. I, I don't know if you've thought about it enough, but or not. Or not, but uh, you have uh, we have as you as you read through the gospels, there there are a lot of times in the Bible when we see Jesus eating with people. Uh especially in the book of Luke, uh one scholar has said it this way: Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. So maybe this week you want to look at the, the Gospel of Luke and kind of see how that uh, how that plays out. Uh Jesus is always eaten with people. And, and I think I like it that Jesus liked to eat. Uh, Because I like to eat, right? And so there's something we have in common, right? I'm going to be like Jesus as I pull up to the buffet. No. Of course, we need to eat to live, but these days, uh, some people really get into their food. Uh, We see it in our waistlines, of course. Uh, Don't look around Uh, there. There are there's so many things to eat. There are so many places to eat. There's so many ways to eat. Some people love a quick meal and maybe they grab something from a fast food restaurant or they they heat up something in the microwave. Other people are all about the crock pot. You put it on and you let it simmer all day long and cook long and slow, low and slow. Some people have a, a sweet tooth and love to chow down on a piece of piece of cake or a piece of candy or a piece of chocolate or many pieces of all of those things. Uh, other people like the savory stuff and you really get into the meat and potatoes and vegetables and all those sorts of things. Some people describe themselves as foodies these days. I, I don't know. I, are you foodie? Okay, good. And, and you really like the uh, uh, the maybe the exotic uh, or or doing things in a different way and and laying it out and just ah uh, just uh, looks beautiful. They say that you eat with with your eyes before you ever eat with your uh, with your mouth, and so it's got to look good before you dive right into it, right? And so so it's 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 not just for sustaining life. It's a it's an art form. Uh, some people uh, define themselves primarily by what they eat. It seems like, well, I'm a vegetarian. I'm vegan. Uh, I eat clean. Uh some people are very concerned about what they eat and so they read the packages and uh they they make sure that they have just the right stuff in it and they don't shop at certain they're only at whole foods or they're only at this store whatever there's no no gluten no gmos no uh, I don't know all those things and that's that's a great uh way to do it uh, other people uh, don't even think about it though right there are some people who just grab whatever whenever uh food is a central part of our lives. We have to eat to live, but we do more than just eat to live. We we uh, I mean, we we celebrate food, I think, especially here in America. We have a TV network, probably more than one, devoted to food, right? And uh, you know, I'm not sure I'm not sure why I care who beats Bobby Flay or what the pioneer woman is making for lunch or who's going to be the next food network star, but I kind of do. I I'm not sure why, but I kind of kind of kind of do. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But we've, we've, we've come to the place of uh, gathering together. Uh, when, when we come to the place of gathering together for a meal uh, at a restaurant, the waitress brings our food and we pause, right? But not to pray. We, well, go ahead, Kevin, with that next one. We do one of these, right? We pause in order to Instagram our food because it's so important for us uh to uh, to to do that. You've done it, so have I. Uh maybe you haven't done it. Maybe you're more spiritual than I ha- I don't know. But and and it's uh, it seemed like Jesus liked to eat. In fact, he even said, said about himself, the Son of Man, Jesus, I was referring to himself, came eating and drinking, he says, in Luke 7, 34. But I'm not sure that, that, that Jesus' love for a meal was the same as ours. It, it wasn't so much about the food, it was about the company that he was with. In fact, I'm thinking if Jesus had an Instagram account, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't, but, uh, but if he did, if Jesus had an Instagram account, he would be taking pictures at meals, not of the food he was eating, but the people he was eating with. So it was a lot more about the people than it was about the meal. Meals are a big deal. The food is important. It wouldn't be a meal if we didn't have the food, right? But uh, but meals are about more than the food. They're about the people that we're with. And so over this fall, we're going to be having dinner with Jesus. There's a quote on uh, on the wall in our dining room it's framed it's uh, it's been there uh for years um it's been in more than more than just the current house we 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 moved it with us uh it's framed it's it's printed on fancy paper it's a a cool font and it's up there on the wall and it, it's probably up there so long that we don't even read it much we just kind of blow right by it but it's it's important it's it was put there with intention and it's a, it's a quote by Henry Nowen, and part of it reads like this we all need to eat and drink to stay alive But having a meal is more than eating and drinking. It is celebrating the gifts of life we share. A meal together is one of the most intimate and sacred human events. Around the table, we become vulnerable, filling one another's plates and cups and encouraging one another to eat and drink. Much more happens at a meal than satisfying hunger and quenching thirst. Around the table, we become family, friends, community, yes, a body he now and says much more happens at a meal than satisfying hunger and quenching thirst and I think Jesus knew that I think because we don't just see Jesus in the Gospels uh, sitting down and, and eating with people just because he liked the food it's because he knew that there was a lot more about a meal than just eating and drinking so this fall, we're going to be looking at those many times that Jesus shared meals with people. They won't technically all be dinners; that would just kind of a good, catchy title. But, uh, but uh, times when uh, when Jesus used a meal to connect, or to instruct, or to celebrate, or to love. So each week, I, I want you to picture yourself pulling up to the table with Jesus to learn, and to grow, and to connect. And to be loved by him. So that's all the uh, the introduction to the, the series. The first meal—sorry, not real meal. We're not, we should be handing out hot dogs, right, John? I, I think so. The first meal is actually a banquet for Jesus, thrown by a bunch of sinners. It's a, a party with sinners. It's found in Luke chapter 5. It's also in Mark chapter 2. It's in Matthew chapter 9. It's the story of Jesus calling Levi, uh, to be his disciple. Uh, Levi, also known as Matthew, wrote the book of Matthew. That's who we're going to be talking about today. And, uh, and, and Levi threw a party for Jesus after he was called as a disciple. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 27. Uh, let's, uh, let's dive into it. Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." So let's unpack this a little bit. It starts out with the words after this. Well, we, we have to, uh, figure out after what, right? As you're reading, you can't just take a passage in scripture just there. We got to look at it in context. What is, what, what, what happened here before, the, after this, after what? Well, uh, right before this is when Jesus was, was, uh, had healed a man, uh, who had been paralyzed and his, his friends brought him, uh, to Jesus to be healed. Uh, maybe you remember the story, uh, the, the, the Jesus was preaching to a packed crowd and healing People and and uh, and preaching and teaching and and it was so full that these people couldn't get in, so they literally cut a hole in the roof and they lowered this guy down right in front of Jesus. That's the story that happened just prior to this. After this, after what? Oh, it's after these. This uh, Jesus healed these, this uh, paralyzed guy, but there was more than just uh, healing him. Jesus also proclaimed that this guy's sins were forgiven, and the uh, the Jewish leaders and the Pharisees of that day uh, had a problem with that. Because they said, "How can you forgive sins? You're you're just this uh, this teacher guy. How can you possibly forgive sins?" And they threw a fit about it. And it seems like uh, maybe those same religious guys were stalking Jesus because they they show up at the party uh, a little bit later on that uh, that we just read about. So after this, after what? After the roof has caved in and a guy came and and, and uh, was paralyzed, and Jesus said, uh, "Take your mat and walk." And oh, by the way, your sins are forgiven. And then Jesus went out, it says. So after this, Jesus went out. Pretty significant. I, I, we're, we're just going to walk through this because it's important. Uh, yeah, we get the whole bit, picture of the story, but after this, after what? This paralyzed guy, forgiven sins. Uh, Pharisees had a problem with it. Now Jesus went out. Jesus didn't stay where he was, reveling in this amazing ministry. That he, I mean, he had a packed house. We preachers love a packed house. We like it when people are coming and when when uh, the, the the seats are full and people are clamoring for uh, for uh, for healing, for uh, preaching and teaching and all those things. We would think, I would think, in looking at this from my perspective, that Jesus would want to stay right there in the packed house. Jesus didn't stay right there. He went out. He he didn't stay where he was popular or where things were safe or where people liked him or where people were like him but he went out. And I think maybe we could do what would do well to do the same. A lot of times we stay where we're comfortable where where people like us where where people are like us and we don't go out to the people that maybe need the touch. Of Jesus. Jesus, after this, after what? After the, 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 the Pharisees had a problem with him healing this guy and forgiving his sins, and, and uh, after all of this uh, wonderful, fruitful ministry, Jesus went out. And what did he do when he went out? Well, Jesus saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. So after this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. Again, this is kind of just introduction to the story, but it's really actually very, very, very significant because most people did not see tax collectors, or at least they didn't want to see tax collectors, and they would avoid their eyes, uh, or, or put, put put their eyes in a different direction. They, they, they'd try to avoid them at all costs. Levi probably could count on one hand how many times a, a good upstanding Jew had looked him in the eyes in the last years because... Because uh, people didn't, didn't see tax collectors, but Jesus saw Levi by, uh, saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. If he hadn't gone out, he wouldn't have seen Levi. If he had stayed where he was, if he stayed in the comfortable place, he wouldn't have, but he went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. Now, we could probably relate to uh, tax collectors not being the most pop- popular people in the world, right? Uh, we don't necessarily like to pay taxes, so we would. Uh, we, w- we don't necessarily think, oh, I'm going to be a tax collector. Or Nobody likes to pay taxes. But in Jesus' day, uh, right here, right now, in this time frame, uh, this was more than just not liking to pay taxes. This was a, a political thing. It was a patriotic thing. It was a spiritual thing. Uh, this, this was more than what maybe we could relate to. And so we need to get ourselves into this story. See, when the, when the Roman Empire would conquer an area, they would come in and they would take over and they would, uh, they would put representatives in there. So you had soldiers and different people there. Uh, but, uh, they, they would, uh, they would also then need to collect taxes from these people. And so they would they would uh, set up uh, what what they would do. It wasn't just in in uh, Palestine at that time, but but in other places as well. They would get the locals to be the collectors of the taxes. And so these Jewish folks uh, they would they came in here to Palestine to this uh, the, to Israel of that day, and they recruited Jews to be the collectors of the taxes. And so, these tax collectors, uh, one thing that they did, uh, the, the Roman Empire didn't really care whether they they uh, uh, collected the, uh, as long as they got their cut, they could collect however much they wanted. And so tax collectors were notorious for collecting way more than what they needed to, and they, they collected for themselves, and they were known as greedy, and, and they were rich, and all those things, because they were collecting more than what they needed. But, but also, uh, it was more than just that they were cheating people and stealing a cut for themselves. These guys were considered traitors. They were traitors to their country. They were also traitors to their God. Because they were literally working for the enemy, they were they were working for Rome. They were they were uh, they were benefiting from the enemy because of the very nature of their job. They were not worthy to participate in the Jewish religious rituals and practices. They were blocked from that because they were it was it was a political thing. It was a, it was a national thing, but it was also a spiritual thing. They weren't just unpopular; these people were despised. So we need to catch that. We need to know that the tax collectors it wasn't just, "Oh yeah, oh, I don't I don't really want to pay tax." It was it was that these people are despised tax collectors. And that's what Levi was. He's a despised tax collector. He's hanging out at the tax collector booth and Jesus saw him. Levi. Pretty solid Jewish name. I think that's also significant in this story. see Levi uh, that that name Levi was um, one of the twelve tribes of Israel was the tribe of Levi right so so of the of of the names that a Jewish son could be named uh this was in the top twelve uh, named after Levi, one of the twelve tribes of Israel. And not only uh, one of the 12, but this was a tribe, the tribe of Levi was the tribe of priests in uh, in Israel. So back in the day, back in ancient Israel, the Levites were the priests. And this guy's parents had deemed it appropriate to name their son after the priestly tribe of Levi. I think it's pretty safe to say that they did not raise their son uh to they didn't have dreams of their son becoming a tax collector when he uh when he was being raised. They didn't say, "Oh boy, I hope that he can he can uh collect taxes for our enemies and uh, be a traitor to our country and turn his back on God." I hope no, he just by his name alone, we can probably make the assumption that he was he was uh raised to follow God and to be a good Jewish man and went, you for whatever reason, whether it was financial or political or spiritual or all of the above, he became a traitor to his people. And Jesus, uh, he went out and he saw Levi uh, at his tax collector booth and he talked to him. Now, he could have said a lot of different things to Levi. Most people would just walk on by or give their taxes and mumble something under their breath and go. Jesus saw him and he talked to him, but uh, he probably could have said a lot of different. He could have said, get your act together. What do you think you're doing? Uh, bet your parents are real proud of you. Uh, Jesus could have said a lot of things to, 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 to Levi. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. But Jesus instead said two words to uh, to Levi that day and it went completely against all of that. Uh they were two words of of invitation and affirmation and inclusion. Uh, Jesus simply looked at this despised tax collector that everybody else uh, walked on the other side of the road or gave their taxes begrudgingly. Jesus looked him in the eye and said, "Follow me." Follow me. A simple deep profound statement. Follow me. Do you see where it's a phrase of acceptance and inclusion? I I want you on my team. I I want you with me. I'm reaching out to you. You belong with me. Uh, Follow me. I I, I want you. But it also says that this is an invitation to not stay where you are anymore. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, there's movement here. And so I, I I want you on my team. I want you with me. And we're going this way. So you're going to come. Follow me. Following Jesus would make a huge change in in Levi's lifestyle and, and his friends and his occupation and his choices. Jesus had the wonderful habit of including people, meeting them right where they were, and then challenging them not to stay there anymore. And Scripture says that Levi got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. That theme of Jesus meeting people where they are and then not letting them stay, inviting them to not stay where they are, that theme, uh, continues throughout this entire story, even into the party that we'll get to in a second. But I want to pause for just a minute because there's a truth in that that I think, I think we need to hear today. Nothing can disqualify you from the love of Jesus. Nothing can disqualify you from the love of Jesus. There is nothing that you can do that will keep Jesus from seeing you, from loving you, and from asking you to follow him. It's called grace. It's the favor of God. It's extended to each and every person who has ever lived and ever will live. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, Jesus sees you and he loves you and he wants you to follow him. I think we need to hear that today. I think we need to sit in that today. I think maybe somebody needs to say, even me? Yes, even you. Jesus sees you and he loves you and he invites you to follow him. He says, you're part of this. I want you to be part of this. By the way, don't stay where you are anymore. We're going this way. That's exactly what Jesus was all about uh, later on as we step into, uh, as we actually get to dinner with Jesus. Because Matthew threw a party. Levi threw a party. I don't know whether it was that night, probably took a couple of days to rally the troops and, and kill the calf, and I don't know what all they did when they, when they got together and partied, but uh, it, was, it was soon after this, because it's right here in the same breath almost, that, uh, that, that Levi throws a party for Jesus. Jesus has changed his life, and now he wants to celebrate. And, and so Jesus is the guest of honor. And so Levi invited his friends to his party. Who were his friends? Well, there weren't any religiously upright, wonderful. Jews that were his friends because he was a despised tax collector. So who did Levi hang out with? Despised tax collectors. They kind of hung out together a lot of times. They maybe they'd swap stories of how they cheated people out of things and how they I don't know. But uh, and and then not just despised tax collectors but other sinners. It, it says here in in Luke others then uh, the the Pharisees and and uh, religious leaders are said, uh, why do you eat with uh, with tax collectors and sinners? Uh, the other passages in Matthew and and uh, and Mark also talk about tax collectors and sinners. So, so, so these are the people that uh, that, that 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 Matthew, that Levi invites to the party. They 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 were the people that had been disqualified from the good, upstanding Jewish society. And and I mean, we need to realize for good reason they, these were not great people. <laughs> they were cheaters and swindlers and thieves. They were prostitutes. They were they they all sorts of sin in their lives. These were the people who I don't know for for a good good church term maybe they were morally loose maybe we'd call them. I don't they, these were not the, uh, the 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 saints of the uh, of the community, but they were Levi's friends and they came to Levi's party at, to honor Levi's Jesus. And Jesus and his disciples partied with them. They ate together, they drank together, they were hanging out together. He had dinner with them. Now it appears that Jesus stalkers, the religious leaders, uh, were, were, uh, were there as well. Not sure if they were invited, uh, uh, I don't think they were invited, so maybe they just saw the invitation up on Twitter and decided they'd crash the party, but they, they, uh, they, they came and, uh, they, they, uh, w- were there for some somehow and they pulled the disciples aside and they started complaining. They weren't partying, for heaven's sakes, they were complaining about what was going on. Before we get too judgmental of them, I think we probably need to realize that we probably would have had a problem with this too. Uh, if you catch me at the wrong party on a Friday night, you probably will call the church board, right? Um, this would, We probably would have had a problem with this too. And even more back in that day, because in the culture of that day, sitting down to a meal with someone was akin to condoning their lifestyle of being being friends with them. Uh, you you shared a meal with people that you liked, and people who liked you, and people who you agreed with, and and you supported, and they supported you. You were of like mind, and those were the people that you ate with. If a good, upstanding Jew sat down to a meal even with a Gentile, a non-Jew, maybe they were a good person, but they were just just a, a not a Jew. Uh, they. Were were disqualified from uh, from the uh, religious practices until they could walk through the, the purity rituals to become clean again. Just sitting down with a Gentile would do that. And, and not to mention, sitting down and actually enjoying a meal with sinners would have been a big deal. Eating together was a sign of intimacy. And so for Jesus to attend a banquet put on by these sinful people and, and then enter into all the revelry and, and enjoying it, uh, it was simply appalling to these Jewish leaders, and probably would have been to us as well. So here's, I think, the crux of the issue, because it's a it's a perspective thing. As we look at the will of God, and what God wants for us as the church, representing Him in the world, what does God want? Uh, what are His priorities? Jesus and the Pharisees had a fundamental difference in their understanding of the priorities of God's will. The Pharisees believed that God desired first and foremost obedience to religious rules and regulations. There were standards to follow and we needed to obey those standards and and that's how it needed to be. And so the Pharisees led with the standards, behaviors, practices. We've got to do this. Jesus saw God's first priority as a mission to people, to heal the spiritually sick. Jesus didn't lead with... Adherence to religious behavior. Of course there's standards and there's practices and, and we need to not live lives of sin. Uh, of course, but Jesus led with love. And yet always with a call to step out of that sin, to, to, to leave everything and to step out and to go and to follow him. Jesus was entering into the world of sinners, not to condone it, but to love them and to call them to, it says, call them to repentance. It's part of why Jesus came. He came uh to, to heal the sick, uh, the spiritually sick, he came to call sinners to repentance. Well, where how are you going to call sinners to repentance? Well, you got to get into their world and you got to get to know them and you got to love them and bring them out from it. The Pharisees saw the rules. God wants holy behavior. He does. But God is also on a mission to love people. And so he leads with love. And in the course of that, through that relationship, it leads to holiness. So a couple of things things that we need to learn as we go to dinner with Jesus at this party with sinners. Jesus sees you. He loves you. And He invites you to follow Him. Jesus sees you. He loves you. And He invites you to follow Him. No matter who you are. No matter what you've done. No matter where life has taken you. No matter what the choices are that you have made. Jesus sees you. And He loves you. And He wants you to follow Him. Please hear that today. Jesus sees you. And He loves you. And he wants you to, well, what does it mean to follow him? Okay, it's great that that God loves me, but, but how do I follow him? Well, this talks about repentance. Jesus calls sinners to repentance. That means turning away from sin and turning toward God it means doing exactly the the best best picture of that is right here in this story when uh Jesus saw Levi and he said follow me and leave what did he, what did Levi do he got up left everything and followed Jesus that's repentance. That's leaving your life of sin and following Jesus. It's a, it's a relationship with Him. It's, I am sick and tired of living this life of sin. I'm sick and tired of, uh, of living life for myself and my selfish ambition and all the things that... I want to follow Jesus. It's not just an exclusive thing. It's not just for certain people. It's not just for people to get their act together. <laughs> it's about Jesus seeing you because He loves you and He invites you to follow him, so respond to that invitation. If that's you, if, if if you find yourself wandering from the table with Jesus, he says, "Come, let's have dinner together. I love you. Follow me." Maybe you've already done that. Uh, And churches are are obviously filled with a lot of folks who have already taken that step and, and you're already following. So does that mean that this sermon is just not for you today? No, that's not the case because there's a message here for you too. It's a lot the same. Your challenge is to see people and to love them and to invite them to follow Jesus. See, Jesus is the example. He's the one who's reaching out to us, and then we represent him in the world. It's so easy to get on our religious high horse and to look down on people who, who aren't following, uh, not doing the right thing. They're sinners, right? And, and sure, they need to change, and sure, those things are, are bad and wrong. And of course, there's something better than the way they're living, but we need to lead with love instead of judgment or condemnation. If you are already following Jesus, then you are the tangible representation of Jesus in the world today. And so when people see you, they need to see him in you. And so if Jesus is all about leading with love and all about being on a mission for people, then that's who we need to be too. (laughs) We are the tangible representation of Christ in the world, and so we need to see people like he sees them. And we need to love people like he loves them, and we need to invite them to follow him. To love them enough to not leave them where they are. So I I guess maybe the question is, how are you doing at partying with sinners? Is that a good question? Are you doing all right? Before you answer that question... (laughs) Not so that they influence you. Jesus didn't show up at the party just to whoop it up and have a good time, right? He was intentional. He was there so that he could bring sinners to repentance. He wasn't just there so he could have a great time and not remember it the next day. He was there on his mission for people to bring sinners to repentance. So how are you at partying with sinners? Not not so that they influence you, but so that you have a chance to influence them befriending people who aren't like you intentionally reaching out to people as as God brings them across your path uh it, it's all about i i guess the uh, the sermon series from from August echoes uh, echoes in my head uh it, getting in step with the Spirit and following His leadership in the relationships that we have, right? And so we're stepping in, and if He says, speak up in this, then we speak up. And if He says, be quiet, then be quiet. And, and if we need to engage in a conversation, do it. And if we need to take someone here or, or do something for do it. We're in step with the Spirit every step of the way, allowing Him to, uh, to, to fulfill His mission to people through us. Uh, a life devoted to loving people because Jesus loves people here's a question, is there a Levi in your life right now? Is there someone who needs to be seen and asked to follow? Is there someone that you need to come up alongside and, and be Jesus to? Are you, maybe there isn't, are you out looking? Because sometimes we kind of keep ourselves in the holy huddle and we're not going out like Jesus went and we're not looking like Jesus looked. But Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi. And he said, follow me. You're, I want you on my team. There's a whole lot of better life than what you're living right now. Come with me. So this dinner with Jesus is all about accepting his invitation to follow. And all about being like him in extending his invitation to others. Lord God, we offer ourselves to you today. We thank you for Jesus as our example. The example of of someone who didn't just stay put where, where things were maybe easier. But he went out and he saw people right where they were in their place of need. And he called them to life with you. Lord, I pray that, that we would answer that call today. That we would be courageous enough, faithful enough to step out from where we are and to, to answer the call to follow. For each one of us, that, 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 that uh, you, you see us right where we are. <laughs> where life has brought us and the choices that we've made and the you know exactly where we are and exactly what that means and Lord I pray that your spirit would, would work on our hearts this morning and Lord I pray that as, as the church, as followers that, that we would be on mission for you every day and I pray that, that if we need to renew that commitment that You would you would also uh, speak across our hearts this morning to challenge us to new heights with you Lord we worship you today and we commit ourselves to you completely In Jesus' name.